Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, the lead mentor here at the Knowledge Exchange, where we run online courses and online mentorship. Check it out at tkex.org. I'm joined today, for once we have a, a local guest this time from Sydney. Here's Joe Pemberton, strength and conditioning coach. Also self-disclosure here, my powerlifting coach, who I definitely, definitely respect and really keen to dive into some SNC topics today. So he's owner of Sydney Strength Training and uh, one of the Barbell Medicine crew members. Joe, thank you so much for making the time, mate. Thanks for having me, Daniel. So the, the first question that I ask all our guests, it's a bit of an infamous question and you can take it where you'd like, wherever you'd like. What is your story? Um, I guess my story is I was, um, <coughs> excuse me, I was an athlete um, when I was younger. I was a swimmer. Um, I, was, I was an okay swimmer. I um, grew up in Tassie and uh, I got a sports scholarship to come and swim at Sydney University. Um, and I swam until I was about 20. Um, and while I was at university, I was studying, uh, commerce. Um, and I stopped swimming. I just kind of, I guess I burnt out. Um, I just lost all passion for it. Um, I was enjoying lifting weights, uh, more than I was enjoying, uh, swimming. So I ditched the swimming and finished uni and became a chartered accountant. Um, all the while I was still, you know, lifting uh, and going to the gym at first, you know, typical sort of, um, I guess, uh, uh, aesthetic bodybuilding type focused training, uh, you know, uh, muscle and fitness magazine, all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but then, you know, I sort of discovered um, uh, powerlifting, and uh, uh, started mucking around with that uh, with some of my friends. Um, then I met a guy who was here from Canada studying and he had been doing strongman over in Canada. So started doing strongman. So I sort of went from when I was swimming, um, you know, my body weight was around uh, 90, 93, 95 kilos. And uh, my, my max body weight when I was doing strongman was 136 so <laughs> sort of uh, that was over a period of a few years. So did that, um, got, got, uh, got sick of, um, you know, the office life and, uh, and working as an accountant. And I was lucky to have this passion uh, for, for training and lifting weights that I could, um, I could monetize. So I started uh, doing some personal training um, I started out in parks and going to people's uh, houses. I never, I never wanted to work in a commercial uh, gym, so um, I was doing that for a while. Um, over that time, you know, I went from the 136 kilos back down to 100 kilos uh, to get you know lean and healthy again. Um, and uh, you know, so I was training people outside and in parks, and then. I set up a garage gym um, at my house where I was training and I started getting more interested in powerlifting again. And, you know, when it would rain, I would bring some of my clients into the garage and they quite liked coming in there and lifting barbells and doing that sort of thing. So 
um, I'd sort of had this assumption that as a personal trainer, people wouldn't be interested in, you know, lifting barbells. They, they'd, you know, they'd want to do the more typical, uh, you know, PT outdoor type stuff, but people really seem to enjoy it. So sort of built up a client base um, out of my garage and um, then uh, teamed up with one of my friends who uh, who was a doctor and we started the first sort of iteration of this business, which we called Aonics. Um, and the intention was it was sort of the meeting, you know, personal training meets medicine was our, our intention. Um, so we got that going. We got a, got a space and brought the clients in from, uh, from my garage into that space. And that went well. Um, but my friend, the calling of medicine came back to him and he decided to go back to that and, uh, and do his GP training. So he became a GP um, and he left the, left the business to me, uh, which I did for a, on my own for a little while, um, you know, training almost exclusively uh, general population type clients, a couple of athletes, um, but mainly general pop um, and um, build up a good, decent client base there got interested in uh, the starting strength approach to training. So I, um, I went over to the States and did the starting strength coaches accreditation, um, which I passed. So I became a starting strength coach and I turned, I changed the name of the business from Aonics, which was a bit sort of um, uh, esoteric to uh, Sydney strength training, a little bit more straightforward and describes exactly what we do. Uh, and while I was over in America doing the course, I met a, a, a guy called Reese who was a young guy studying exercise science um, from the Central Coast. And I, you know, so we sort of met up and started hanging out. And when Reese finished uni, he uh, came and started working with me um, uh, at that original location. And since then, we've since then we've uh, Reese became a starting strength coach as well. We sort of followed down that path, but, you know, through some differences of opinion with that organisation, we decided to leave it um, and uh, we are aligned with uh, an organisation called Barbell Medicine where we're both um, basically do online coaching for those guys. They're based in America and it's run by a couple of doctors you know, their, their um, <clears throat> catch cries, uh, you know, modern medicine meets strength and conditioning is their kind of thing. So we work there and uh, we incorporate um, that, that style of training and approach to health and fitness um, with our in-person clients here. So at my gym here, we basically, uh, we still, it's, it, it, it's all general population clients now. We don't train any athletes. Um, you know, it's not that we wouldn't, but it's, you know, our target market is, you know, um, older, um, males and females who are interested in, you know, improving their strength and muscle mass, uh, for the purposes of improving their health. Um, and, uh, you know, it's quite a rewarding sort of, um, uh, approach that we have, you know, I always, I always say, you know, you can get a, you can get a young, a young guy who can deadlift 250 kilos and get him to deadlift 300 and that's pretty cool it's pretty fun 
But if you take, um, you know, an old guy who can't tie up his shoelace and get him to deadlift 35 kilos, that's changed his life, you know. So that's, that's where, that's the space we want to be in, you know. We want to be sort of doing, um, you know, do, doing sort of life-changing work rather than, you know, what might, you might see as being like cool or, or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I think that, that pretty, sum, pretty much sums up um, my path to, to where we are now, yeah. Awesome. It's uh, interesting how it circled back into the, the medicine world after you started up Aonix. You're yeah. with a couple of other doctors this time from, from the States, and they also yeah. had their own journey with, um, with starting strength. So you, That's exactly right. Your, kind of, your paths aligned in the end. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's funny how all these things sort of work out and, you know, we'll talk about training approaches and stuff later, but I've also found that my approach to training has come full circle as well in a way in that, um, uh, you know, at the start I used to use a whole bunch of different um, exercises and set and rep ranges and then you know I going through st- the starting strength approach it's a much simpler approach but um, you know as I've become sort of more experienced I've realized I guess that it's not uh, you know everyone's so different and um, what works for one person um, what's ideal for one person isn't necessarily ideal for the next person and as coaches we need to have <clears throat> a um, a wide range of tools available to us um, to uh, to implement for whatever particular human you've got in front of you. Yeah, so it's kind of come full circle there as well. Great. That's when we'll, we'll dive on some of the underlying principles behind the individual approaches to, to conditioning and strength training and mm. programming. So I wanted to, to touch on uh, a previous experience of yours with, with back pain. How did... So you mm-hmm. had a, an injury. Could you tell us more about how you had it, how it came about and, and what you did for your own rehab? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, um, you know, I've had, uh, as, as a lot of people do, uh, you know, on and off back pain um, over the years. Um, no specific um, event that I can point towards that uh, caused it. Um, uh, it's just my back gets sore. Um, not, it's not sore enough to uh, significantly impact my life, but it's gets sore. It gets has got sore enough to be annoying and prevent me from training in the way that I would like to be able to train. So, um, I've worked uh, with some of the barbell medicine with uh, rehab guys and. Um, and, you know, what we basically, uh, the approach we took is, um, you know, to manage workload and, uh, and fatigue and essentially um, find exercises and intensities and volumes that are tolerable and um, work up from there, uh, increasing the intensity and the volume. And uh, it's not a linear it hasn't been a linear uh, process. It's been sort of, um, I go through stages where I'm doing really well and then it's sore for a while and, you know, it's back to square one and, and this sort of thing. But, um, you know, over time you you become quite accepting of that process and 
uh, you know, uh, at the moment, it's I'm in a good place where, you know, my you know I'm not uh, I'm not lifting PRs, but I'm enjoying training. Um, I've found a, a, a good uh, you know array of exercises and intensities and volumes that are tolerable, and um, you know maintain uh, enough strength to be for me to be uh, motivated to train. But um, you know, and I'm with, you know sort of within spinning distance of uh, PRs. So if I ever did want to um, put in the extra effort uh, required, you know, I feel like I'm not too far away, but I think what the what the process has taught me is just you know things get better. Um, be patient. Um, there's always something that you can do, uh, but um, you know you just have to be kind of you know zen, bit zen about it and just kind of you know keep plodding forward. Don't don't get hung up on why why me why is this happening, um, but rather look at well what can I do you know what can I do now and um and be accepting of that and um and i think that's been a a really good a really good thing for me yeah yeah awesome uh austin baraki from the barber medicine crew also wrote some really good articles on on this what what to do when training and yeah stoicism i think is really big with michael ray's work as well so having that yeah. acceptance you mentioned acknowledging that exactly the shit happens sometimes and yes. what can you do with that shit? What, what, what else can you do? Or like looking at the yep. building up all the capacity that you have around yep. the pain as opposed to stopping altogether. I think that's such a good mantra as well for, for life. I think so. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think I was, I probably had a bit too much invested in, in lifting weights and, um, and, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's just it's it's all quite arbitrary. Um, you're just lifting up you're lifting up this arbitrary shaped barbell and weights, you know, with these 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 arbitrary arbitrarily sort of developed exercises, um, and uh, you know, and it, it it's an awesome thing. It's fun. Uh, you know, you can get some good outcomes from it. Um, but uh, that's there's more to life than than lifting up heavy weights. <laughs> And uh, at least for me, um, so, you know, just um, go, you know, becoming, and I think this is something that will probably, is a theme of my approach to training, you know, becoming more engaged in the process of training rather than the outcomes, you know, um, rather than setting specific goals and, you know, and working towards those. Um, it's more, for me, it's more about, um enjoying the process, uh, you know, each session, you know, um, appreciating the fact that you're there doing it and by doing it, you're one step closer to what, you know, whatever that future outcome is and, uh, just keeping your toe in the water, staying in the game is I think, um, the most important thing in this, in this whole realm, doing it is more important than what the actual thing looks like. I think just being there putting in work um consistently is you know the thing so one of the thing, things that underpins all of the coaching that i do is making sure that you set up training in a way that um that people can be consistent with it they be you know because they enjoy it um there are some results happening obviously because that can that's motivating but uh, you know that can't happen all the time and you know 
if you're if you're so if, if all of your motivation is hinged on the results that come from training what's going to motivate you through those periods where you don't make progress um, and if you train for long enough you have long periods where you don't make progress but you still got to train you know so um, enjoying the process of training is what I really try to, to drum into um, uh, a lot of my uh, clients um, through their programming and, uh, and the way we interact around the programming. Awesome. Yeah. It's so common with powerlifting when they powerlifters love a number and they love mm -hmm. numbers with two zeros. They're yeah. Optimist for that. Yeah. How do you, and I think this yeah. is great to, to touch on, to expand on that concept. It's, it's so relevant for rehab as well. When someone chases an outcome and we're trying to shift their focus or at least add on the, the focus towards the process. How do you kind of navigate that with a client coming in, wanting a certain number, an outcome for a, a yeah. A, yeah. A, yeah, so, um, you know, I think the, the first thing that, that I do is I'm, I, the way I program is, um, you know, we're, we're using uh, auto-regulated programming. So, um, and the, um, uh, the overload is driven a lot by volume and that sort of overloading event isn't necessarily the one session that can be a period of, of time. So I sort of explain it to the analogy I might use to people is it's like doing a, um, a, a course at uni or something. You don't, you don't, you know, obtain all the knowledge in the first three months, you know, you, you know, you start at one point, you step through the process and the results fall out at the end and, you know, to get really meaningful results from training, um, you, you know, you need to just stick at it. Um, you need to stick at it for quite a long time and, um, and, you know, setting people's mindset up to see each session as essentially ticking a box and, you know, and then deriving, um, their pleasure and enjoyment from that box ticking is what I aim to do. So, you know, to use it, you know, to bring that to a rehab type scenario, which we, we deal with quite a lot, um, you know, keeping on doing whatever movements um, are required in that rehab setting, you know, if you're there doing it, you're taking a step forward and, you know, you deserve to pat yourself on the back. And when you do feel better, or you achieve the outcome. It's not that we don't want to enjoy that. We should really be happy and enjoy it. We should enjoy PRs in the gym. We should enjoy when we've rehabbed a particular injury or whatever it might be. We should enjoy that. But um, you, you know, the way to get there is to to really engage in that process, enjoy that process, um, commend yourself on engaging in that process. Um, and just to put one foot in front of the other and uh and that's you know rehab more than anything because it can be demotivating how light um you know and how how much within your sort of perceived uh capabilities some of the things you're doing in rehab might be um you have to kind of swallow your ego and treat it as a process and um trying to trying to adjust your way of thinking to to that is really important i think and um 
um, you know, not being so outcome focused, but being process focused and, uh, you know, just take one day at a time, you know, which is, it's such an old adage, but um, it really, you know, in this, in this game, it, it really is that. And you look at, you look at, all the people who successfully rehab, you know, um, significant injuries or people who, who achieve really great things in, um, in uh, sport or, or in lifting. And they're always, it's always by just sticking at it, you know, through the ups and downs, sticking at it, being consistent, you know, working hard, working intelligently, you know, that's how you get the outcomes. Um, you know, there's no, there's no magic, um, you know, some, some programs work better than others. Some rehab processes might work better than others, but most things are decent enough to have an effect, uh, if you can stick to it. Um, and then obviously psychologically, if you, your client or your uh, patient has, um, has buy-in to that process, if they believe in it and they're enjoying trying, you know, enjoying themselves as much as they can through that process. Um, you're going to get some uh, much better outcomes than if, you know, all you can think about is wanting to get your squat back up um, and you're hating, you're hating doing uh, some sort of remedial work, you know, that's, it's going to be a tough ride. <laughs> you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to be consistent. Um, and if you don't have that buy-in to what you're doing, um, you know, it's not, it's not going to be fun times. <laughs> Yeah, so looking at all the the small achievements during the process, reflecting back yeah. on where the person has come from, say the start of the injury or or even the start of exactly. the new training block, and then they yep. get, build up that mastery. They they can see those results. They're comparing themselves between those two points as opposed to comparing yep. themselves between the last time they PR'd, which is a significantly different uh, circumstance, context, and everything. So exactly the yeah, long and it's, a, and it's that. And yeah, it's a long game and it's the trust, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to buy in and trust the process. So, um, and I think that's particularly important with what, with, um, with rehab type stuff is um, building, building that trust with the, the patient or the client that, um, you know, the process is going to lead them out of this, uh, that they will get better but you know they will they will you know return to uh you know full performance or you know they will uh get stronger or you know lift more or play better at their sport um but uh you know engaging in that 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 stepwise process is the way to do it and if you can get buy-in like that then you know almost all of the time in the long term the results come, you know, they might not come as quickly as some people might want, but you know, that's, uh, that tends to be, you know, when you look at the people who do really well, it tends to be the thing they they've chipped away at it. Now there's freaks. There's always freaks who, uh, who, you know, within a year of lifting, um, you know, are, uh, uh, squatting 600 pounds or something like that, you know, but um, they're massive outliers. The vast majority of us make quite a lot of progress at the start to numbers that, that we aren't really that impressed by when we, when we compare ourselves to other people. And then the years that happen after that, we're just slowly chipping away 
at it, um, you know. So I guess that what it comes down to is as well is expectations, you know, what, it, what, what someone's expectations are out of it. Um, and, you know, as a coach, I think, an important part of you know important part of coaching or in a, in the clinical sort of practice it's it's mani- helping people to manage their expectations in a really respectful and uh um you know productive way so that um so that they aren't disappointed and disenfranchised by the results that they get you know if somebody expects to add 50 kilos to their squat in a year um but they only add 30 and they're disappointed, um, you know, that's, that's nuts, you know? So trying to, trying to say, Hey, look, any progress is pretty awesome. Um, uh, but it's more, it's more nuanced. It's more subtle than that because you can't just, you can't just tell somebody to adjust their expectations. You can't just um, say, Hey, you know, that's, you shouldn't expect to do that. You should expect to do this tiny little thing. It's uh, it's more a process of getting to know somebody, uh, getting to see what motivates them, what drives them, and then um, uh, demonstrating to them, you know, what's possible, and 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 helping them to derive pleasure from those little wins and from any progress, you know, because you know once you've been training for long enough, you you realize that, um, I mean, you sometimes go years without making progress. You know, I'm, I'm probably in a year now where I, well, I am in a year now where I probably won't set a PR. Um, what, what drives me to keep training? Uh, you know, that's the, the enjoyment of it. You know, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. I'm healthy. I feel good, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's the, that's the important thing. That's kind of the, the underlying philosophy of all of our, training that we we do here yeah awesome and it, it's it's so easy it's much easier when it's, the program is auto regulated so it takes into account yeah. those spikes and we're having those conversations about finding out the driving reasons behind why someone wants to do something once we find out that yeah. reason then we can help them along the process i wanted to that's touch exactly right the concepts of the principles behind this this way of programming and it's probably behind yeah. all Strength and conditioning. So we, if we'll touch on the first one, individuality, and you mentioned mm. before that there are individual differences. We get the freaks on Instagram that we like to compare ourselves to, and we yep. get the people that perhaps plateau for a little longer than they expected. So how do you factor yep. in or, or like, uh, yeah, navigate that principle in your programming? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the, I, I always sort of think there's two aspects to, as a coach that I look at with individuality. It's, it's, there's the person's uh, physiology and, uh, you know, how, how, they, how they physiologically respond to the different variable training variables. And then there's also their psychology. So, you know, what, what do they like doing and, and what don't they like doing? And as a coach, what, what you're trying to do is, you know, figure out, you need to figure out what they respond to well in both areas um, and, and adjust the programming to take that into account. So, you know, what physiologically what they respond to is a difficult thing as you first meet them to figure out. You don't know them very well. You don't know if they respond really well to, 
to lower intensity, lots of volume, or you know less 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 uh, less volume but higher intensity, or some somewhere in between. You don't know that until you've gone through a couple of training cycles, maybe with them, and and even then you're just stabbing in the dark because you know you might go through a a, um, a high volume. Uh, lower intensity type training cycle uh, and then you know change things up a bit into the into the next one or the next block and uh, and do some higher intensity lower volume stuff but you know and they might get really good results but you might what you might be measuring is their response to the first <laughs> training cycle or training block um, that's being realized in that one so it's always hard um, to uh, pick those variables out but psychologically we can get onto those quickly you know as a coach you your the main skill that coaches have is that we, we read people that's that's the game you know who, who's this person what drives them um, how do I package up uh, this thing that I want to do with them so that they'll do it and so that they'll do it well um, you know so you know for instance at, you know I might program somebody um, I, I say to my clients, tell me if you don't like doing something, you know, there's, I've got, there's no magic exercises. If, if you hate doing squats, I don't care. Like, you can do, you can do leg press, you know, like, would I prefer you to do squats? Sure. But if you're not going to buy into it and that, and you know, and that's not going to make your training a worthwhile pursuit for you, fine, we can do something else. You know, it's no big deal. So um, having a good two way sort of communication, uh, with your clients, I think it's really important. Um, you know, just getting a feel of what type of person somebody is. Are they, um, you know, are they somebody who's uh, a little bit more sort of high level um, thinking where, you know, um, you know, where they're, they're happy to look at that long-term thing or, you know, or is it somebody who is, you know, really interested in the numbers? They want to see those numbers going up and, you know, taking those two things into, you know, different things into account when you're writing the program, I think, is important. So, you know, as a coach, I guess the, the thing is you, you're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out what the best approach is for that person, um, you know, and what's best for an individual you know in, in reality might not be what you'd expect it to be on paper um uh and one of the things that i've sort of you know my anecdotal experience is that um in 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 coaching there's a big error bar around um the programming that you, you give someone so as long as it ticks basically you know the some of these principles we're talking about um you know it, it people will make progress um uh if they follow a program over a period of time even if that program doesn't look like what you'd expect a great program to be and you know when i first started coaching you know you sort of and we've all go through this where you know you know, you know, this is the approach. Everyone should do this. This works for everybody. Um, uh, but as you start putting individuals through that, you start noticing also, this worked really well for that person, but it didn't work so well for that person. And that person even stopped doing it. And, 
you know, so tailoring your approach for that in each individual, I think is, is the main thing. And especially in the, in the context of what we do here, where we're training general population and our goal is health. I just want people to train and I want them to train for the rest of their lives. So they have to enjoy it. You know, you can't do something, you know, for decades um, if you don't enjoy it. So sometimes sacrificing what I might perceive to be the best theoretical approach for a person um, in favour of something that they enjoy, I'm more than happy to do that. And then the conversation has to come in about their expectations around it, you know. If someone wants to be a, um, you know, a national level power lifter, um, but they don't like squatting, we've got a problem. We have to negotiate this. All right, you're going to have to do some squatting if you want to compete in powerlifting. Um, you know, uh, and you know, having that sort of conversation is uh, is the thing. You know, do is power. You know, do you hate it enough that maybe powerlifting isn't the thing that you know that you want to be doing? Or um, rather than squatting, say three times a week let's try just squatting two times a week or if you you know if you really hate it so much but you still want to compete you know let's squat once a week but look is once a week squatting going to be enough for a you know novice powerlifter to make progress I, I don't know maybe but maybe you've got to adjust your expectations around how much progress you can make doing that so you know all those things are sort of intertwined awesome and it's a it's, it's funny when you talked about the programs, it's similar to the rehab world where we, mm. we try and put someone into a box of according to their condition. We forget yep. that there's so many other factors involved and, and you brought it back to the importance of enjoyment and long-term yep. commitment, engagement with the process is yep. to, to a lot of our programming. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, I, I don't envy the task of um, some of um, uh you you clinical guys because your time that you get to spend with people is very limited so you know as, as you know coaches working in the gym we're seeing clients you know multiple times a week week after week I, I don't have to rush you know I can let things evolve you know I get to know people over time I get to have those conversations with them over a, you know over long sessions and I get to see their results slowly happen and make decisions based off that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, trying to squeeze that into, you know, where, where in the clinic, uh, you know, you're seeing someone when they've got, you know, an acute issue um, that needs to be addressed and, um, you know, you're trying to figure out well, what sort of person is this, what drives them, you know, who are they, what do they like, are they going to do this, you know, I want them to do this, are they going to do it, how am I going to get them to do it, you know, all of these things and it has, that all of that has to be solved sometimes in half an hour, you know, so um, I don't envy that task uh, that you guys sometimes have to uh, go through. It goes with the, uh, the value of the coaching aspect and rapport building and, and time you have with someone, that's very important. That's exactly it. Building nice. the trust. That's exactly it. And I think that's, that's how, you know, we work closely with, um, you know, with different, uh, you know, different healthcare professionals. And I think that's where, um, uh, you know, you can get a really good team working on these things where you might have, uh, you know, a, a sports doc or a physio or an exercise physiologist who, you know, 
gets to see people when they're ill, but then, or, you know, when, when they've got an injury, um, and then they, you know, you can, you know, diagnose it, figure out what needs to happen and then integrate with some, you know, with a strength coach or, you know, personal trainer or whoever it might be. And, you know, you can provide some information there and then, you know, you can get a nice, um, you know, working relationship where, you know, you can leave it to that person to implement the approach that you've come up with um, and then have that patient or client, um, you know, come back and, uh, you know, a lot of communication happening. And I think that can be a really, uh, you know, we've seen some really good results from having that type of uh, type of team set up where, you know, some of those things that are inherent issues in the clinic, such as the limited time and space and equipment, things like that, we can pick up some of that slack and some of the inherent issues that we have in terms of, you know, our, um, you know, we aren't qualified to um, to uh, diagnose and uh, and 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 treat in a medical sense, um, you know. So we, you know, having a good two way street between the different uh, um, different areas, I think, is where you get you know the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts if you get a good relationship there. I think definitely the value of the multidisciplinary team for the one person. And then they, That's exactly they, they have the clear pathway as well from the short term to the long term. Uh, exactly. To, yeah, go for it, go for it. Yeah, and I was going to say, and you, know, uh, and, you know, I always come back to this buying from the people. And when people feel, when they feel like they've got a, a physio or a chiro who really cares about them and cares about them enough to recommend them to go to see a particular, a particular personal trainer who they go and see and that person cares about them and reports back and they know that here they are going about their business, but they've got this team behind them who care about them and who are taking, you know, going above and beyond and communicating stuff that really feeds into the buy-in for that, uh, for that patient client, um, you know, and, uh, they feel special. They feel like people care. They feel like um, the they've got experts who are working together who aren't uh, who who aren't being I guess arrogant in their area of expertise and uh, you know and uh, recognizing how how you know uh, their skill sets can match up with others um, to get the best outcome for that particular person. I think people really seem to seem to enjoy that and feel you know good about that. Yeah, they feel important, they feel heard, they feel listened to by more than one person. Exactly. Saying similar exactly. messages. And I, I wanted exactly. to, to touch on the, the principle you mentioned before with someone who wants to be a powerlifter, but they don't like yep. squatting. So that goes with yep. the specificity principle of, yeah. of, of strength and conditioning. So with, yep. how do you touch on, on that? I think you've covered most of it with that example. But is there yeah. anything else or just considerations of employing specificity in, in your program for people with general health goals? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, you, know, ob you know, obviously if someone wants to be a powerlifter, they need to squat and bench and deadlift. If someone wants to be a soccer player, they've got to play soccer. You know, these, we know about these sort of things. Um, uh, you know, if someone wants to be a marathon runner, 
Um, you know, they're going to have to run, but what are they going to do in the gym? Well, you want to do stuff that's going to be um, relatively specific to that task. So, you know, uh, trying to get your bench press, you know, trying to improve your bench press and putting all your energy into that isn't very specific to running a marathon. Um, but often what we find, what we're getting is we're getting people who just want to be healthy. Um, and so we're looking at, uh, you know, they want to be healthy and, and capable. They want to um, be able to, you know, we're getting someone who, who's 60 and has noticed, you know, they've never trained and they've, they've, they might have a sore knee or a sore back. Uh, they're approaching retirement and they want to go and do cool things. They want to travel and they want to go on hikes and do things like that. And they notice that they're getting weak, they're getting sore. They're, they're concerned that, um, you know, their, their will to do all these nice things with their extra time is going to be, um, you know, overtaken by the fact that their body isn't capable of doing it. So um, if someone has a specific task that they're aiming for, we can obviously build that into the program. But generally um, what people seem to need is they just need more muscle mass and, and consequent, you know, consequently need to be stronger. So um, we tend to focus more on, uh, you know, compound movements, um, you know, uh, where you have to support uh, your own uh, body weight plus whatever load we add to that and ne negotiate a movement through, through space because I think it's probably uh, as specific as, as we can get to the task that you might perform outside of the gym um, without then you know, having to practice every single task that someone wants to perform better. Um, so, you know, adding muscle mass um, and for the purposes of being stronger tends to be what we do. So we, um, uh, we balance volume, uh, volume and intensity to do that. Um, uh, you know, we tend to um, operate in, you know, moderate medium sort of rep ranges and accumulate more sets to get that volume to get that sort of hypertrophy effect as opposed to say if you were a pure bodybuilder just looking to add the muscle mass for aesthetic goals where you might um you know where volume is your thing and you're doing you know much higher rep sets um and multiple sets of that and multiple um you know, a lot of frequency on each body part and all of that sort of stuff. We tend to do, you know, use compound movements, use, uh, you know, lower rep ranges, say, you know, four, four through six reps and accumulate sets um, at moderate sort of intensities, you know, like, uh, I guess, um, you know, two to four reps in reserve type of um, intensities is where we t tend to accumulate the work to get that volume to get the uh, hypertrophy effect, um, but you get that specificity of the fact that to you know those rep ranges tend to use a heavy enough weight to get somebody used to, used to doing something hard, um, you know. And a lot of people haven't done hard things in uh, a lot of the clients we've seen say don't haven't done hard things, and uh, and that's an important sort of aspect of it. So, you know, unless someone's got really specific goals, um, the programs tend to be quite quite general um but the underlying goal is you know muscle mass um and strength for health and, and uh and just to improve 
people's ability to to essentially be able to do whatever it is they want to do. You know? Yeah. Awesome. And linking it back to their meaningful task or their their function, like you mentioned earlier, tying a shoelace, for instance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like if if somebody can't tie their shoelace, I don't sort of you know, if they can't bend down and tie their shoelace, I don't sort of go, oh, well, let's practice tying your shoelace. I sort of would more go, well, what's causing you to not be able to do that? Um, you know, you, you've, you've lost the ability to lean over that far um, and when you do it, you feel like you're going to fall over and it's difficult to stand back up because you're weak. And we can address all of those things by, for instance, doing some, some deadlifts where you, you know, in a controlled way, we can increase somebody's range of motion, um, you know, down to that point. Um, you know, we can build their confidence with, uh, you know, being able to stand back up, you know, by holding uh, a weight in their hands. And, uh, you know, as a consequence, tying shoelace becomes a more... Uh, achievable task um, and that's sort of the way we would approach that sort of thing and with the the value of so respecting specificity and also respecting mm. variety so how do you navigate that balance with so you mentioned earlier enjoyment is important um, yeah I imagine we'd hit that plateau sometimes when it comes to if we do a particular movement pattern over months and months we reached yeah. a performance plateau. Is that when you would incorporate yeah. some variety or how would you incorporate variety in a, in a program? Yeah, that's a, that's, um, that's a really interesting question. It's, um, uh, that again, you're balancing that, you know, psychological impact with, uh, the physiological one and, you know, the specificity. So, uh, if you took a power lifter, um, there's always going to be a competition squat, almost always going to be a competition squat bench and deadlift in their program because they, that's what they're going to have to do when they perform in a competition. Um, uh, you know, when it comes to a general population person, um, you know, what we tend to do is we, we have variations of those main lifts, those compound sort of lifts, and we tend to cycle through them um, uh, periodically. So for some people, it might be, um, you know, some people might be following more of a, a um, linear progression type of programming. Um, and, you know, we might progress on a certain lift by adding some volume or, or um, some load to the bar each session. And when they stagnate, we might, uh, we might change the exercise or, you know, the, we might change the, the intensity or the, uh, the reps um, or the frequency. But, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, changing the exercise can also be a, a good option. How often that is, um, it depends. <laughs> so, you know, some people get bored and, you know, they might, you know, you might change, change exercises more often for those people. And some people might actually really enjoy knowing what they're coming in to do. You know, a lot of my clients that I've had don't like it when I change exercise. They sort of say, I just feel like I was mastering that one. I was enjoying knowing what I was coming in to do. And, uh, 
and so we might not uh, might not change the exercise so so often. So I tend to sort of like um, if you sort of looked at all of my programs and tried to pick a pattern from it. Usually, um, there's always a, a um, there's usually a, be- a, a pause bench press, uh, a squat, and a deadlift. Um, and then there's usually variations of those lifts and I usually keep the those main movements the same and then cycle through the variations and the variations are just subtle differences to those main lifts. So incorporating tempos, pauses, um, you know, doing things off the pins, um, different, um, different sort of equipment. So, you know, you might use a slingshot or a block or, um, you know, a different bar on the bench. You might do, um, you might use a safety bar for squats. You might deadlift with a trap bar um, or, uh, you know, or you might do, you know, you might incorporate bands and chains as, you know, we've got all sorts of, we've got all sorts of ways to keep training um, interesting. Uh, but also try to produce some uh, some novel stimulus. Um, and if you sort of zoomed out and looked at what I do, like if I if I were to program a, a long training cycle for someone, I probably cycle through the exercise those those um, variations of the main lifts, you know, around every six weeks, something like that. But it, it also depends on the person because what you sometimes find is some people respond really well to certain variations they they drive up, seem to drive up their main lifts well um, or they really enjoy certain variations so you might hang on to those for longer um, or there might be other ones that people don't like so you know I'm yet to meet somebody who likes doing Bulgarian split squats so I might pro you know I might program that for you know three or four weeks and then change that to something else but um, you know it, it all it all comes down to you know what somebody seems to be enjoying and what seems to be working well for someone um and uh you know that's that's the approach we sort of take but we do tend to sort of um vary vary the the training a fair bit but um for us at least um you know where we use barbells for almost everything it always tends to be around those lifts that our programs um, focus and that's mainly for the fact that it's an efficient way to train you can get a whole body workout um, from some simple equipment um, uh, and uh, you get a it's a bang for your buck there's a great outcome from less uh, less input um, and that's why we tend to focus on the Low, that that modality but it's not to say that you you know can't get great results by you know using machines or or using bands or using you know whatever whatever modality it's just tends to be the one that we've pick, we've picked um, and it seems to get some pretty good results yeah and with that the variety would you sometimes see some mistakes of so i put my hand up here where we would program perhaps too many exercise variations within that same block and then you can't really track how someone is progressing or if they're really responding to one where there's so many other variables you would you see that around the the scene yeah yeah sometimes and i think um i think what and i mean we haven't really we haven't really talked about this much because a lot of my approach is you know with this sort of this fuzzy goal of health or you know you know just generally be, being able to do more stuff but um 
what somebody's goals are is really important. So um, if your goal is to get a lot stronger, you need to do, um, you know, uh, let, let's say your goal is to get, you know, a lot stronger on particular exercises. You need to train in a way that's going to make you stronger in those exercises. So there might be, if you want to be good at lifting, um, you know, powerlifting is a good example. If you want to be good at powerlifting, um, you should be having a barbell in your hands as much as you possibly can. Uh, if you want to be, um, if you just generally want to be good at every exercise that exists, then you are going to sacrifice how good you are lifting barbells. You might incorporate it a bit, but you're also going to need to incorporate a whole bunch of other things. So I think if I see a program where somebody's doing 10 different exercises, five sessions and 10 exercises per session, the first question I have is, what's, the, what's your goal here? What are, you, what are you trying to achieve with this program? Um, and then make, we, then we can make an assessment of whether that is appropriate. So, you know, if someone was doing 50 different exercises a week, you know, which might look like a crazy program to me, but I said to them, what are you doing all of this for? And they say, Oh, I want, I just want to expose myself to as many exercises as possible. That's the main, my main goal. I go, Oh, well, you've written a great program. <laughs> you know, that's what you're doing. But if the goal is, um, you know, I want to be, uh, you know, I want my squat and my deadlift and my bench press to go up. It might not be such a great program. Um, or, uh, you know, if the, if it was, you know, I want to be a better, uh, you know, swimmer, it might not be such a great program, you know, so it ties back to that specificity, um, you know, I think. And, uh, and then, you know, the other thing is, you know, you might have people who are doing, um, uh, different things too often so you know varying their you know they might be varying their program too often and again it comes back to why are you varying your program so much so a good example might be somebody who um, trains a, a crossfit gym and just does the whatever wad is up on the board each time which tends tends to be to vary and you know if i might sort of go well what's your goal and if the goal is oh, I, just, I like the fact that i don't know what i'm going to do i come in it's written up I smash through it. It's hard because I'm not used to doing it and, you know, I enjoy that and that's what keeps me coming back and keeps me consistent. Well, you're doing the perfect program for you. But if your goal is to be, um, you know, great at Olympic lifting, um, you know, uh, coming in and doing some random program each time is probably not the best approach. You probably need to incorporate, incorporate a bit more of that thing um, which you want to be better at. Um, so, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a balancing act, I guess, but it's make, I, I guess it's as a coach, you're trying to make people aware that, um, you know, aware of what their goals are and, and aware of what the best way to achieve those goals, um, might be, or not even the best, but you know, what, um, what the approach to achieving those goals might look like and whether they're willing, whether that's something that they, they would like to do. And if not, perhaps those goals aren't the right goals for that person at that stage. Yeah. Interesting. So going with the, the goal in mind first and yeah. trying to make that program a little bit flexible so they don't get tempted to just program hop and then you're managing their expectations. So they stay with the, the long game of, of results with the knowledge that it goes up and down. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Joe, I think we, we touched on, a lot of the key concepts and 
in the in strength and conditioning world. And it's so always such a so fascinating to see the overlaps with life first and foremost, yep. and also rehab as well with with the the principles that underlie a lot of the rehab programs that we that are out there. So, yep. Thank you so much for for spending this time with us. I wanted to um, having me. give a quick plug as well to Sydney Strength Training. And, and if our listeners wanted to find out a little bit more about you and what you do, where can they find yep. you? Uh, SydneyStrengthTraining.com.au and uh, on uh, Instagram, we're at Sydney Strength Training. So, you know, um, get in touch with us if, uh, if you're interested. And, uh, you know, we've got some information on the uh, website. We've got a bit of a blog there and, you know, and uh, you can find out a bit more about our approach and, and what we do, you know, so it's good. And we're always happy to talk to, you know, people in the industry and people who are interested to, um, uh, we're a private gym, so it's not an open membership type thing. So, you know, any, any professionals who are interested, you know, we're more than happy to have a coffee and do a session, you know, so anyone who's keen, get in touch and, and we can catch up. Awesome. Awesome. Love your work, Joe. Really appreciate your time. And until next time. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel.